Hey guys, and welcome to the original Get Live podcast. And you're like, oh my god, Vish, what's going on? You haven't been on in a long time. Last time you were joined with um, Kevin and Joe and Tyson. What What's going on there? And then you just didn't do an episode for a long time. Well, I'm just here to tell you that this is the relaunch episode of the Get Live podcast. Everything's going to change. Before when we started the podcast, when, when I started the podcast, it was a one-man team. And then it was just me giving you guys gaming news. And after a while... It turned into interviews, and then those interviews became discussions, and we kind of stuck with the whole discussion thing for a long time, and it kind of works, and it's what you guys have been asking for. You wanted more people other than myself to kind of bash opinions on, etc., etc. Um, so joined with me today, we got the awesome Joe. Hi. And we got the the um, lovely Kevin. What's up, guys? I don't know why I called you lovely, Kevin, but, you know, I was going to say... Because I am. I was going to call you, like, Karen yeah, or something. I was going to give him. you a girl's name, because, you know... Just for the lols. Kevin, what was the name that I gave you in that letter? I gave you, like, like a female's name. I can't even remember which one it was. I think it was Karen. I don't Actually, think I think I have it don't think it was right Karen. now. I don't think... It was, like, Coco or something. like. I don't even know what it was. Team Coco. Coco, Coco the Clown. But we'll see. I don't know what it is, actually. You know, your cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Just saying. Anyway. So, as as Kevin's trying to find that um, <laughs> that piece of paper saying what I named him, I'm just going to talk about the podcast a bit more. Uh, just because this is the, the introduction, this is the new introduction for the relaunch. As you guys have seen, we got new logos, new everything, and hopefully soon a new website as well. And with this relaunch, we're trying to aim to give you guys gaming news, but it's not going to be solely gaming news. It's going to be discussions, but it's not going to be discussions based on what we see at E3, etc. It's going to be discussions on gaming today and topics that really mean something to each one of us. So we'll be researching on those topics, discussing them and encouraging you guys to to give us topics as well. If you want to give us topics, you can hit me up. Just tweet at me at Get A Life Podcast. Or, you know, send us an email at galp.pea at gmail.com. Um, it's the same email that we use for Kunai, but, you know, that's not a problem. You guys can send that email. It'll get its way to me. Kevin, did you find the letter? Yeah, so for you new folks, uh, Get Alive Podcast is a monthly gaming discussion podcast under the Get Alive group, of course. And we talk about all sorts of games, from you know those big AAA games all the way to those awesome indie games. But our forte, what we concentrate on, is our Japanese games. So expect a lot of that. It can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. And if you want to join in the fun and talk to us, like Bish said, we can be found on Twitter at Get Alive Podcast. Also, if you like what you hear today... You can help support us at lootcrate.com slash getalife. So yeah, um, as this is an introductory episode, and you know, you guys may have seen Kevin and Joe from, from Kunai before. We tried doing an episode like this about maybe in October, but it didn't quite work because, you know, I was homeless. <laughs> um, not, nothing to joke about there, but, you know, I wasn't, wasn't in a position to do a, a proper episode, so... Um, in regards to that, no one really knows of our gaming interests. Everyone just knows about what anime we like and, and who's our best girls and whatnot. So, um... Well, I mean, they, they don't know anything except for the fact that, uh... Like, that Dying Rob was in my blood. Yeah, I have the impression that Joe, like, lives, breathes, shits Dying Rob. Like, like, he probably plays that 
like religion. I don't think he plays it no. because you know now the anime's come out. I think Joe is just focused on Danganronpa the anime, and to be honest, I still haven't seen it. You don't understand. Like every week when the the new the news two episodes of Danganronpa three come out, it's like I'm always just trying to theorize what's going on in the show because frankly, I am very very confused. Joe, I I have a question to ask you. Would you like to see that as a visual novel, or no? Like the anime be adapted into a visual novel or anything like that. Honestly, I'm fine with it as just staying in anime because they did say it meant Kodaka himself said like they're doing things that that would only be possible in an anime, and I don't think it'd exactly transition well into a visual novel. It's like I, I pr- much prefer seeing the action like in the form of an anime. You know, I've heard a lot of the same thing actually. I, I can't comment on too too much because I haven't played Danganronpa. Would you still yet, need to? Yet. I need to, and I will hopefully soon, because Bish actually was kind enough to gift me Danganronpa 1 and 2 on Steam. I The thing, is, the thing with visual novels is that they're very still, so like action won't exactly translate well. Like If Danganronpa 3 is more of an action game, that kind of like it was mixed with the visual novel and, and action, kind of like Danganronpa another episode, then maybe it would work, but I don't see it working as a game. Yeah, and that's what... Um, some people say as well like apparently um after Danganronpa 2 it was quote-unquote written into a corner so they had to do an anime is that is that true that is that is not true no like the anime is seen as more of like a thank you letter to everyone who supported the series up to now it's like it could have ended at Danganronpa 2 but like like here's the thing Danganronpa 1 the animation was more for people to get into the series and and Danganronpa 3 is more like a love letter to everyone who supported like Danganronpa 1, 2, another episode, Danganronpa 0, like all these different things. So it just feels good watching the anime. So moving on from that point, I can tell that anyone that's listening will obviously know that Joe is a big fan of Danganronpa, Um, but I think that's a good kind of segue into what our what is kind of our gaming history like what's our favorite games and such a lot of people that have seen the podcast obviously know that i'm a big fan of dynasty warriors i love those kind of games and obviously i'm a big fan of that but people don't necessarily know yours kevin or kind of joe has given us some sort of taster of what he likes so i'm really interested in what kind of gaming genres are you interested in kevin yeah, because we don't really talk about that on Kunai too, too often. Unless you, you follow me on Twitter, um, you wouldn't really know what I'm into. But for those that do know me, they know that uh, I'm a huge FPS player, you know. Uh, th- that's my main genre. Uh, I do, you know, dip my toes into to other genres from time to time, like RPGs, visual novels, Sims, now more recently. But yeah, FPS is like the backbone of my, my Steam library, quite frankly. And even back when I had a 360, uh, that's what I mainly used to play, right? So in terms of what I like, uh, I really like things like Battleborn, Overwatch, even though I, I've played a bit of it, I haven't bought it yet. I'll get into it later. But FPSs are really my, uh, they're my cup of tea, if you will. Uh, I love them to bits, whether they be really fast pa- fast action and fast-paced uh, games like COD, although, you know, I personally don't play it that much anymore. Uh, I still do hop on from time to time. I get a few games in. Uh, or, you know, it's more tactical, like CSGO or Battlefield. I just all around love that genre for some reason. It's just great, and you just meet so many people through it, right? And I'm, I'll tell you right now, most of my gaming is done through multiplayer. 
And when I do occasionally play single-player only games, it's mostly through portable, you know? Mm. You mentioned something when you said you, you kind of met a lot of your friends through like FPSs. And I think that is quite true. It's, it's quite social, even though it's mm. not necessarily intended to be like a social gaming platform. But I've met a lot of people, you know, people that... You know, I started off playing Call of Duty Zombies with. You're like, shout out to my friend yeah, Aiden yeah. because Aiden has been bugging me. He's been like, oh, he's like, oh, Georgie, yeah, you know, you have to give me a shout out on your podcast, blah blah. And I'm giving <laughs> him a shout out, and Aiden, you're fucking boss. That's what I'm doing. Um, I didn't do this just to give him a shout out, but I'm saying, you know, he's one of my good friends, and I only met him because my friend Mark introduced me to him in a game of zombies, and he's a fucking legend. So. Shout out to Aiden, but that's what I was going to say, is that FPSs are very, very social. Like, I don't know, there's something about it. It's like you have this one common goal, especially if you're playing like team-based games like Overwatch, or, you know, if you're playing a bit of Domination, or, you know, my favourite game mode in Call of Duty, Demolition. But that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Demo all De- the way. Demolition. But um, this isn't a Call of Duty podcast, let's be real. So, but my point here was that there's something odd about FPSs. It just brings people together. It also breaks people apart. But games that I think also really break people apart more so would be games like Smash Brothers and, and Mario Kart yes. and things like that. Because they're really Fighting competitive. Games. Yeah, of course. And that leads me on to another point. I know you're a big fan of fighting games. Care to elaborate? Am I a fan? Definitely. Uh, am I any good? Uh, that... I can't comment on that, all right? That's uh, something for another day, right? You might, might f- like, you know, find out for yourself. Even 1v1 me, you know, I'll get kicked to shit. But I like to consider myself uh, a fighting game enthusiast, all right? And that's very important because I'm not quite good at it. I'm still using a gamepad at the moment, although I really hope I get enough money to, to get a fight pad, you know, and get good at uh, fighting games. But mostly I play... Super Smash Bros, which I played to shit on the GameCube. Melee, in my opinion, is... It's the best in the series. I swear opinion. to God, Kevin. I swear to God, Kevin. Oh, I... oh, no, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I know what you're about to say. Oh, yeah, dude, were you Master Race? Yeah. No, but seriously, what do you think, Joe? No, you know what? To, no, to his... Because you're a fan of the Super Smash Bros. Kevin... Well, right? Because hmm? I know that you're yeah, a pretty I, huge I like fan Smash of Super Smash Bros, right? Yeah, I like Smash Bros. Honestly... Honestly, if you like melee, it's not really a problem for me. Like, it's still, it's really fun. It's just very difficult for me. Like, but I'm not gonna like push that. I'm not gonna say like it's bad because I'm not good at the game and it's very tight. Like, it's like people are good at the game, people enjoy it, people like playing competitively. It's like, they're good for you. It's like it's a fun game, and I understand why you'd want to play so much. So, what's your favorite Smash Brothers game, Joe? Because you haven't mentioned. Yeah. It. Um. It's a Wii U one. I have it? to say. Hmm? Yeah, honestly, it, it is the Wii, the one on Wii U. What? It's like with... That's pretty... For me, the hmm? one on the Wii U pretty much feels the same as the one on the Wii. Feels like... um, Was it Brawl? It feels it exactly is, like that. I mean, if... I mean, as someone who's played both, I can I can safely disagree. Like, it feels... Like, it just feels a little more balanced. Like, it's kind of like... It's kind of... It's almost like Melee and Brawl kind of had a baby. It's like it's... It's a little, it's like a little more fast paced than Brawl. It's like it's, it's not as tight as Melee. It's kind of like it kind of like takes stuff from both, and it kind of makes it, it makes its own game. Uh, just to be clear, I might have a slight bias because I have played the Wii U version and the 3DS version, but I haven't spent nearly as much time on the Wii U version as I have on 
the, the older GameCube one, right? Because that back in the day. No, like I agree. Like I spent a lot of time on on Melee too. I I agree. It's a very solid game as well. I'm just kind of saying like. It's like as far as like balance goes and like variety goes, I'd say Smash Four is Smash Four is my favorite because I like, get like they've it's like the roster is huge now. Like it's it's not it's nowhere near as big as Sakurai was, like. did. Like fucking props to him because he went over the top with Smash Bros. All right, like we have him to thank for that. Yeah, Sakurai is pretty good. Um, but I do gotta say though, I do enjoy the fa I do prefer the fast pace of melee. Like, it just makes everything feel so action-packed and feel so intense. It's like, it, even though Smash Bros. 4 is a little faster, it's... Well, not, not fast. Like, it's a little faster than Brawl. It's still it's still kind of slow in a way. Yeah, like, I think we can all agree, though, like, despite, you know, our different opinions on, you know, what the best Smash game is. Actually, Bish, you haven't mentioned what yours is. You know, you asked Joe and I, but My you, favorite you, you haven't Smash, mentioned... Smash game is, um, is the Wii version because that's the, i've played i played um i've played the one on the gamecube i agree with joe it is quite difficult to play for me i prefer using the nunchuck and the um and the thing the nunchuck and the wiimote I, I don't know i just find the game controller very difficult to use pish let me ask you a question how do you sleep at night i sleep very comfortably joe in my bed playing overwatch because i don't fucking sleep pow but yeah, I think that the Wii one is, uh, you know, I prefer that one. Um, but I have played the GameCube one, and I have played the Wii U one as well. But yeah, Link all the way. I'd say as far as physics and uh, as far as guys physics and balance goes, like Brawl is kind of inferior. But I do like the presentation. It's like they introduce a lot of cool characters and the, the Although story I'm, mode. Although I'm not really like happy with the, the new characters in the Wii U version. Like, why did Ryu have it's to be? It's the same roster. <laughs> No, I mean like the DLC characters. You Same know, you got Ryu, characters. you got Pac-Man. Oh. Why, why? Honestly, I think it's just because Capcom is just dishing out that them dollar dollar bills. But you can you can do like a Hadouken with one button press. That's ridiculous. I understand porting that move over I, might be a bit I difficult. Think I, but... I just, to be honest, I do like the exposure because it means like people get to see these new these these different kinds of series. Like, if who's this character from? If they're interested, they can play the game. Like the, but then the, again, it's the like Ryu, game. man. Everybody knows like, who Ryu is. Think, for example, for example, I because of Smash Bros. Four, I was like I was exposed to Xenoblade Chronicles, which is probably one of my favorite games. But of that's a Nintendo title. That's, like, that's fair enough. But when you start introducing characters from Capcom games, and I, I think Snake was in Snake in, was in in, in the Wii Brawl, version, right? And it was just like, why they don't even have Metal Gear Solid games on the Wii? Well, I That's mean, the here's the thing, like, like, even, it's like, it's, that's not really the point, like, even if it's, like, even if it's a Nintendo game, it doesn't excuse it from being, like, like, Capcom or, or Namco, or something like that, it's like, it's like, it's, the, these characters are being introduced, and, like, they're, they're having exposure. The, I understand the Namco characters come in, because, you know, Namco has developed this game, it wasn't necessarily Nintendo, Nintendo are just the publishers here, but, I can understand why Pac-Man's in the game and such, but for Ryu and characters like uh, Snake from Metal Gear Solid, that's a bit weird because, you know, I haven't seen a Street Fighter game. I mean, on... that's what Sakurai's known for. It's like something you just don't expect to be in the game. But like, I don't see why it would be a bad thing, though, bitch. Like, like Joe said, at the yeah, end of the day, really it's still a, a cross thing. promotion, it's just right? more exposure. And if you're a Street it's Fighter fan, exposure, and you, you know... get to play as your favorite character. Exactly. No, it's kind. Of, it feels out of place. It's kind of like 
kind of like in Mario Kart where you had that Mercedes cross promotion where you can drive a GLA in Mario Kart. It doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's like that's honestly that kind of does make sense. It's in that case, it just feels really out of place. But like, I still think kind of fits because it's kind of like a car is. I know a car company is. I know, but it's not. It's not. It's not go kart. It's it's a luxury car. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was gonna say. Like it's it's just, it looks like a little like you know those little bumper cars you see in carnivals. It's like that's what it looked like when mm. somebody was riding inside them. It was the funniest thing. And I don't know why they picked that car. I think it's mainly because that car was a new model for Mercedes when the yeah, game most came likely. out. Um, you know, it would have been even better if it were just giant cars next to each other on a on a Mario Kart racing course. <laughs> No, it's like a life-size Mercedes-Benz. Like life-size? That would be it. ridiculous, Joe. Imagine how many races you would win. It's so funny, though. It's like you're on a tiny little track and you see all these different cars just bumping into each other. But would they scale Mario up or would he be the same size in the car? Well, no, it would just be like... They would... Like, Mario would just be in a life-size Mercedes-Benz like every other character. We've kind of spoke about Nintendo a lot. And if you guys have seen the old episodes of the podcast... You know that, you know, I wasn't really a big fan of Nintendo. I used to shit on Nintendo a lot. But, you know, now I've kind of calmed down. I respect Nintendo a lot more. Um, you know, they're still... I'm cool with Nintendo. I hope Nintendo are cool with me. Um, but, to be honest, Nintendo... It's like, recently... sorry about that. It's kind of like... Hmm? I was... on oh, my bad. Um, keep talking. Yeah, as I was saying, Nintendo recently have have done like a good job in terms of the games that they've been releasing, although they are hemorrhaging money. And this was a conversation I was speaking to to Kevin about. Like we were just having a casual chat. I was playing some Overwatch. Uh, shout out to you, Blizzard. Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah, so I was playing some Overwatch, and this topic just came up, and it was just like they are losing so much money, even though you know, even though they have like the Pokemon Company assets and things like that. No, even though Pokemon Go is like blowing up, and that's all you hear about if you go outside now. Oh my God, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go, right? But like, I mean, here's the problem. Here's the problem with Nintendo right now. Like this year has been very scarce. They haven't had uh, many big releases. I don't think it's just this year though. I think it goes. It's well, a no, no, goes back a bit further. Well, no, like, here's the thing: if you go, if you look at like 2015 and sometime and some part of 2014, like they were. It's like they're just pushing games out, and then it's all of a sudden it's kind of like it's a really slow rate. It's like this year, like what big releases can you think about? Like, he, I, yeah, that's pr- it's probably the case, but it's like think about it. You had like there's Metroid Prime Federation Force, which is still getting a little bit of hate. You have Pokemon Sun and Moon, just hype. Yeah, and can you think of anything else? I mean. The thing is, I I think we we all like Nintendo. Like I really love Nintendo because you know a lot a lot of us owe our childhood memories, you know, in gaming and our introduction to gaming to Nintendo. All right, that's a simple fact. They were huge back then. They were still huge, but it's, they're not quite the same company that they used to be. And I think the problem is just the way that they've been ho- handling you know marketing and their 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 strategies recently with consoles. Right, like if you think about it. Um, the Wii was a huge success, right, in terms of sales. It would it completely blew the PS3 and Xbox 360 out of the water in terms of sales, all right? Um, well, it was more because of, like, the in innovation in, in the Wii. Yeah. Like, after that, it kind of just slowed down. Exactly. Like, I was talking to Bish the other day. I was like, you know, the thing with the Wii, and the reason the Wii U failed, I think, is that, you know, 
the the motion controls that was completely new and you know microsoft and sony quickly jumped on the bandwagon because it's so new and so hyped up right and everyone wanted to get into that new sort of gaming that nobody saw before mm, right? nobody i, I kind of disagree with that because sony before before obviously the wii came out they had the eye toy which was basically the, the they didn't push it yes but it's not like the technology wasn't there I understand. For more so for Microsoft, they saw this kind of success of the Wii, and they were like, "We need something." So then they developed the Kinect. So, AKA Project Natal, if anyone remembers. Uh, well, I mean, Kinect. Here's the thing: it was the most, it was the innovation combined with the titles they had, because there are some yeah. very good Wii yeah, titles definitely. available. But after that, like after, when you think about it, it's like, what else is there? You can download like, it's like you can download different games to your Wii. It's like you can like you have these more. You have more and more. Like, there's a lot more shovelware that I can think of than like actual games. The problem is with the with the Wii is that you know once the novelty of you know motion controls and all that wears off, you kind of lose your you know willingness to play on the Wii because if you think about it, who the hell is gonna play a fucking FPS on a Wii? You know with controls because they they basically you know stuck their head out and they put everything that they had on motion controls for well i mean well except for metroid prime though that's more of like first person that a quote first person adventure yeah but that was on GameCube, by, it was on gamecube and it was ported to wii i think what kevin's talking about is like those those shitty call of duty games on the wii like the the world at war remakes which wasn't actually a proper port somehow they just created a new game and modern warfare i think not modern warfare 2 was modern warfare 3 i think had it was a Wii 4 and world at war uh, after that i don't think well there was black ops 1 to be honest i didn't pay attention to it because i knew it was just gonna i knew it was just gonna suck on wii exactly but that's, that's the problem that's the thing activision it's not activision gave that to i think raven software to develop because they were like you know what we don't want Treyarch or Infinity War to be wasting their time with this when there are the real players but on the Xbox But we still want to milk the franchise, so, you know, let's, you know, release a very watered-down version for those poor guys on Wii, right? That's, that's the thing. With the Wii, the motion controls, it's, it was its greatest asset, but it's also, it's a double-edged sword, right? It's also what hurt the Wii. Like, it was, it was used very well, but it also, it also doesn't work for a lot of I find that for, like, many things. Nintendo, they know their own console, and they can apply it very well. They can apply all the features and that very well. And you have to commend Wii Sports are doing a great job at, you know, demonstrating what the Wii was capable of. But third-party developers, you know, they never really experience... They don't have much experience with um, motion controls, right? So, the thing is, they can't... Or it's very rare that they're able to harness the full potential That's the of thing. motion controls. I don't think like it's a Nintendo problem of the, of the developer because before the development cycle, they just don't get the game. They don't get the console straight away. They get like a development uh, development kit, like an SDK and such. It should be Nintendo's responsibility to to do some sort of conference and say, "This is what we want to do with the Wii or the Wii U or whatever," and then show them gameplay examples. And then say we got we want you guys to do similar sort of stuff like be imag uh, be imaginative, be creative with the software we have. And I'm guessing that Nintendo didn't do that to develop with developers. It might be the case that they did or whatnot, but I I don't think it's solely on the developers' point of view because there are some developers that really tried their best with the Wii. Uh, one of them being um, Tecmo Koei. And let's let's be real, a lot of people give shit for Tecmo Koei and such. But for every new console release, they've released a new, not a new IP, 
tend to be spin-off games or or even new IP in some cases. And I think with the Wii, they tried their best um, and using the motion controls to to do like battle sort of simulations. But they've they've done it in a first-person way as opposed to third-person samurai warrior style thing. It it was a fun game. It didn't work, but obviously it was it was going around that sort of exercise route. And I think a lot of games at the beginning kind of went that route to to try and sell copies either they went that route or they tried to appeal to the younger audience like i think that i could add on more to this discussion i think we all could right we could publish an entire book on you know the successes and failures of the wii but you know at the end of the day even though i think that it was kind of underwhelming towards the end of its life cycle i do think that it was you know a very good first console for many kids out there right including me that was a f- other than my gamecube you know which i bought used that was like my first real console you know that i grew up with that was my first real legit intro to gaming so i've been wondering you know what were your first consoles how did you guys get introduced into gaming as a kid uh well i was actually introduced when i got a game boy advance when i, got I did not game think boy of advance. that true uh portable gaming yeah I was thinking of home consoles, but you make a very good point, yeah, actually. It's because, like, here's the thing. I didn't play much games, and I played a lot of, like, I played a lot of shovelware, but then it was when I first I got my first Super Mario game that everything just started to be very, like, it just, a whole new thing, just a whole new world opened up to me. It's kind of like, it's like I was playing, I played the remake, Um, I played Super Mario Bros. Deluxe. It was some, it was like a remake to an extent of Super Mario Bros., and it was basically my first experience with the Mario franchise. And then after that, I, I think my second game was Super Mario Bros. 3. And that was the big game that I was like, oh my god, I love I love Mario. It's like, because it's, it is, I, even now, it's still one of my favorite games of all time. It's like, it's just, it's Super Mario Bros. improved in so many ways that it's just impossible to stop playing the game. What, like, Game Boy... Yeah, come think of it. If I if I include portable consoles, um, Game Boy is also my first true console, and I have so many good memories with um, my Game Boy, specifically Game Boy Advanced, um, because you know it's gaming on the go, right? You weren't limited to just gaming whenever you're at home. You know, on car trips. You know, because my sister, she was she was a figure skater uh, back then, and she would go on competitions all the time. So we'd be constantly traveling. Uh, we'd go on like hour long car trips back and forth, right? So I was there with my Game Boy, and I, we were just you know. It was basically couch comp because we just passed it back and forth, and my god, the memories, man, the nostalgia is just rushing back to me right now. Uh, do you guys remember GBA? Um, what was it? Uh, Mario Kart GBA. That game, man, that was... I don't remember because I'm just going to flip this upside down. That wasn't where I kind of started in gaming. Uh, many people who've who've seen the older episodes of the podcast will know this, but for new listeners who've just come off from Kunai, etc. I started off gaming from the PS2 era, but before that, my sisters, my older sisters, had a Sega Mega, Sega Mega Drive, or I think you guys call it the Sega Genesis, I think. Yeah, so that was in 1994, I was just born. No, I never played that, that console, I was a baby. This was 1994. Uh, me and my twin sister, basically, we were kind of dumb kids. We were babies, so <laughs> we had this obsession with with sticking carrots and things. Um, <laughs> okay. And we've done it with the VHS. And what happened was we stuck carrots inside the VHS. And then my mum 
took out the carrots from the VHS and the VHS stopped working, <laughs> the VHS machine, and I was like, shit. But the same thing happened with the Sega. So we we wanted to hear the, the Sega? Sega. You know the Sega sound when you, when you mm, put yeah. in a cartridge, that boot sound. Um, we only had the the Sonic, original Sonic the Hedgehog. So the only way you can open it is, is if you put something in the cartridge place. And we didn't know where the cartridge was. And, you know, being babies, we would assume that, okay, you can put anything in there. And it would just say Sega. So we we got what we had, carrots, and we shoved it in there. And it broke the machine, obviously. that um, We didn't hear the Sega sound after that. And then it was a long time afterwards. And my cousins, I think they, they had a, a Nintendo. So they were the Nintendo family. We were the Sega family. And then it, it kind of, gaming kind of died out at that point after, because, you know, they were, you know, gaming wasn't necessarily marketed towards them. Um, because back then, gaming was, tend to be marketed towards towards men. That's just how it was, boys and such. Um, this is back in the 90s. But then, obviously, they released the PS1. We never got one, but my cousins, they had one, and they had it in their minivan. And I was like, oh, that's so really awesome. And then when the PS2 came out, we both, both me and my cousins, got PS2. And we got it before the release date, which is something that's not supposed to happen. How? Mine popped up? Hmm? No, I'll, t- I'll tell you how. My father was a very um, very persuasive man, let's say. He, he wasn't doing anything illegal. But if, if he wanted us to get something, if we wanted something, he would get it for us in, in no sort of no sort of uh, expenses paid like he would make sure that we get it like for one one example was i went to the science museum and there was this one like gi joe and it it was a basically it's basically a prototype it never got never got like released and i said to dad i said dad i want that for christmas he spoke to the man because it was being it was being showcased in the museum because it's a prototype he spoke to the man afterwards and he bought it you know oh my god wow. yeah God and damn. That's the, sa- that's the same way he, may, got, he got those PS2s. He spoke to the If it's manager. not too much, may I ask how much he paid? I don't know. I was a kid. I Really, I wouldn't know. But, you know, he, he was the kind of guy, if he wanted something, he would make sure that we got it. Um, so, anyway. So, he got us the PS2s. We played it. We, we played a bunch of different games. You know, there was a lot of launch titles. Rayman, we didn't like, so we returned it. At the very oh Rayman we didn't like and my auntie she's very good at persuasion as well. You know when you open games you can't return them back back in those days. Now you can but back in those days you can't return games. She goes up to the people at a store called Comet which doesn't exist anymore, and she says I don't want these games. And the people were like, What are you talking about? You don't want these games? You've opened them. You've broken the seal. We can't return them. No, she said no. You know my my nieces and nephews don't want this game. And she, do you know what happened? She spoke to the manager and she came out with more games. They gave her games. Dude, they I can relate. <laughs> I can relate. Actually, funny story. Um, you kind of reminded me of how I got my first console. Well, my first true console, the Wii. Because um, my parents, if you didn't know, I'm, I'm Vietnamese, right? And my parents, um, if anyone has Asian parents, they know that uh, they have this, this knack for uh, bargaining, all right? And um, back when I got the Wii, it was it was the hot shit. Like everybody was fucking talking about the Wii, and you know, is it, it was really popular. It was insanely, you know, talked about. And we we were trying to buy it. I think around Christmas time. Okay, so they didn't have many Wiis left, uh, and we went to this um, 
this local store, so it wasn't like an EB Games or anything, right? It was uh, independently owned. Uh, anyways, they their stock, they had like one or two Wii's left, right? And the price was insane. Like, I think they, it was like $200 over um, what the actual price was because, you know, it was so widely popular that there were only these two units left before they had to order more, right? And, and more wouldn't come until after Christmas. And we really wanted that Wii for Christmas. So all we did was... um. Uh, we went to the store, right, and somehow, after I think it was an hour or more of talking to the poor cashier, I apologize to you, whoever you are, I don't remember your name, but poor guy, we were there for an hour and a half, I think, and we came out with the Wii, right, three games, an extra controller, an extra nunchuck, and uh, we paid for $50 less than the sticker price of the Nintendo Wii. Because it sounds very familiar, it's like... It's like I remember getting a bundle a while ago. It came with a, it came with a Wii, came with an like an extra controller, nunchuck, and it came with three games. Oh no, no! It was when it first came out. There, I don't think there was anything like this. But basically, we we just got the the basic Wii, and the guy threw in, yeah, he threw in games because I, honestly, I think he was about to cry because he was being like, haggled by this Asian woman who would not get the fuck out of his shop, and we got it for fifty dollars underneath the the sticker price, not. The one that they were trying to sell us for, but the price that Nintendo was set the Wii at. Three free games, an extra controller, an extra nunchuck. Like, like I feel bad for the person working there, but holy shit, that was a good deal. <laughs> okay, I'm not complaining. Alright, we had a very good Christmas. <laughs> they they work wonders. Okay, like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I was born here, right? So I don't have the same powers that they do because i swear to god when you see them trying to bargain it's like them working magic okay and we spent basically the entire christmas break playing wii sports and i think my mom played it so much in fact that um like bowling holy shit uh i don't know if you guys had do you, do you have a wii bish because i know you had a wii right joe yeah um if your family yeah i have a wii as well that was uh that's you guys remember story. wii sports right and, yeah, of course. And fucking bowling on Wii Sports was like the shit. It's like if you had a dispute, like that shit would go down in Wii Sports, motherfucker. Like, and my mom, holy shit, she was crazy good at bowling because once she got is bowling and she got um nine strikes and I think it was one spare and I was like, what the fuck? You know, there's so many good memories. <laughs> Like even with me when I got when I got the Wii, like I I first started off with the PS2. Uh, I played games like Dynasty Warriors and because they were the they were the launch titles at the time, like Dynasty Warriors and a game called SSX, which is a super snowboarding cross. I don't know what it stands for, but it's a snowboarding game, really awesome snowboarding game. And then I kind of stuck with those sequels. I was like, oh my god, I need to get the next Dynasty Warriors game. I need to get the next SSX game, and that kind of molded me into what I am today. Like I. You know, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of those two game titles. Um, and then my decision to buy a Wii, I had my mom said to me, she said, Bish, we can get you a Wii or we can get you a PlayStation 3. Which one do you want? And I said to my mom, I said, Mom, there's a new Samurai Warriors game coming out on the Wii and there's a new SSX game coming out on the Wii and there's no SSX game coming out on the on the on the PS3. Wait, how so old are you to what, get the at Wii. this point? This was 2006, so minus 10, year, 10 years ago. So, so I when was, did you become a Dynasty Warriors fan, man? I was a Dynasty Warriors fan since I was six years old. Holy shit. 
Yeah, I used I used to play Dynasty Warriors every morning um, before I go to school. This is actually no, I used to play Dynasty Warriors in preschool. So even before I went to school, so I was four years old. Sorry about born that. and raised uh, Dynasty Warriors. <laughs> born and raised with Dynasty Warriors too. I used to play that game every morning, six a.m. I used to wake up six a.m. Go downstairs, I'll brush my teeth first, go downstairs, play Dynasty Warriors, then have breakfast, then go to school, then go home. And then I would kind of do that. After that, I, I played Dynasty Warriors so much that I bought three copies of the game. I literally got, yes, I used to burn out discs because I used to play them that much. And the, bear yeah, in mind, this, Dynasty like, Warriors... This is very... Bear in mind, Dynasty Warriors back then had like... 12 characters and now it has 120 characters so i i only played as one character so imagine imagine the time i would have spent if i actually tried out the rest of the characters that's why i'm i'm really i want to make sure that i get the game again i've been on this hunt for the last you know five years trying to find a copy of dynasty warriors 2 i found one recently it didn't work on my console because apparently blue discs are a bitch if you know what the blue discs are, they're like the shittiest discs oh. that you got launched with well, the, with the PS2. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they don't work anymore. Even I, even on I the had old a lot original discs for my PS2. It's like I, when I try to use my PS2 games, it's like the, a lot of them have blue discs, and they just don't work anymore. That's that's the problem because the the data kind of they, gets they wiped break, from those discs really over time, which is which is kind of it, it's a shame really. But did they um, never like? port those over like you know like i know what nintendo does is they do virtual console right do they not do the that thing, with the ps3 the, this is this is they do but it's a very odd situation because this game like for example dynasty warriors 4 dynasty warriors 5 because they were published by tecmo koei tecmo koei have publishing rights now so they published that those games on the on the playstation 3 as digital titles um and they're quite cheap but because Dynasty Warriors 3 and Dynasty Warriors 2 were published by a company called Midas Interactive, which Midas is is really a company that doesn't really exist anymore. They do publishing, but they tend to do publishing for mobile games, and they were really well known for publishing Japanese titles when um, when back in the PS2 era. If you want to know more information about Midas, go check our, our Kunai episode with Hideki, because he used to work at Midas Interactive. Uh, but anyway... The thing is that company went bust and they still own the licensing rights um and thq as well thq the people that published saints row or actually made saints row as well um they went bust as well so we at the moment we don't know who the publishing rights went to for dynasty warriors 2 and dynasty warriors 3 i'm pretty sure it's not with tecmo koei i'm sorry to interrupt Bish, but um do you know do you know about nordic games nordic games i know i've never heard of them they actually bought THQ and merged, so now THQ is like is back as THQ Nordic. Hmm. But the thing is, THQ were selling off their assets, so there was some some sort of games that went over to different companies. Like for example, um, Deep Silver got the rights to Saints Row, for example. Um, but we don't know who has these publishing rights for Dynasty Warriors Two and Dynasty Warriors Three. Recently, because this I've, I've been going on a search. Recently, I've spoken to someone who's from a company called Ghostlight. Uh, shout out to Ross from Ghostlight. Um, from Ghostlight, sorry, a company that used to be part of of Midas. Um, and he told me he doesn't know who owns those rights. I spoke to Tecmo Koei. Obviously, Tecmo Koei said they don't own the rights. So it's this weird position. We don't know who owns the rights, 
And to be honest, if if the rights are up for grabs, I might as well buy them if they're well, if they're cheap. I'm, let me. I'm actually reading an article right now about it. it says apparently they've bought subs- they've purchased substantially all of THQ's properties. Mm. But that's but that's the properties that were remaining. Bear in mind, THQ sold off those properties when they went into administration. So a lot of them are not with THQ anymore. So we don't we don't know who owns those rights for Dynasty Warriors, whatever. So obviously Tecmo Kobe can't publish the games. That's why in Japan, because they had their own publishing rights in Japan, that's why if you go to a Japanese store, they're all available there. You see what I mean? All the games, digitally. It, like I said, publishing is a bitch, so it's kind of stopped me in my tracks to buy Dynasty Warriors 2 again. And also, in regards to EA, because EA published um, and created SSX, EA, I don't know what's going on with EA. They they don't want to publish those games back. Maybe they want to do a HD remake. I don't know. Either one I would be fine with. But EA, if you're listening, please give us those games as some sort of digital release. I will buy them. All of them. So you would at least get £50 from me. And I know you guys love money, so... Just... I'll give you a blank check with my name on it. Just saying, EA. I love you. Um, so, yeah. That, that that was kind of like my gaming history. Um, but, you know, even today I sort of play Dynasty Warriors from time to time. Although there have been games recently that I've, you know, really been playing... As I've mentioned before, Overwatch and such. What kind of games have you guys been playing recently? Alright, who wants to start? Um, well, I guess I'll start. Um, so, I've been really into Final Fantasy lately. Hmm. It's like I've... It's like I wasn't really... I, it goes back to 2013. Like, I think the first game I got was Final Fantasy 13 and 13... The first games I got were Final Fantasy 13 and 13 too. I still haven't beaten 13. I guess yep, I just yep. haven't really gotten as close to as I thought I would. Yes, but... I'd, I, actually, I want to say that Final Fantasy 10 is my real first Final Fantasy game because it's the game, like... Because when I first started playing it, it's like I was so absorbed into it. It's something I wanted to play all the time. It's like I don't understand. Like I think it was because of school that I, I wasn't able to play as much. But like now I've, well, I'm starting. I'm playing through more of it now. I think around the end game. I think I should be beating it soon. Um, but yeah, like I've been really big into Final Fantasy lately. Like I play 14 almost every day. It's like I, th- I think Kevin and Vish can attest to yeah. that. Like I'm always yeah. playing the game, doing raids and all that all the time. Um, like he. Yeah. Yep. Like raiding, crafting, like just doing my daily stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I've been playing Final Fantasy. I've been fishing Final Fantasy Ten. It's uh, I own two, but I haven't played. I haven't played much of it. I've played like the beginning of it. That's about it. But I do want to play it soon. Um, I own seven. I'm playing through that currently as well, and it's really fun. Like I, I really, like it, it lives up to its name. Like I, I thought, like maybe like the fact that it was a like it was an older game would put me off, but mm-hmm. honestly, like it's something I can ignore because of how much like how how good it is. It's mm-hmm. it's a really solid game. Yeah, some games just age really um, well. And yeah, Final Fantasy VII ages very well. Um, and yeah, like I'm hoping like after I get all these games beaten, um, and I fi- and eventually finish thirteen. Um, I can. I want to play through the rest of the series and kind of get to know it a little 13 better. Of thirteen or yes. like, and um, I'm also just playing to get fifteen. Rest of the series in general. Once it, when it comes out. 
um, 15 and the rest of the series. Like, I want to play, like, as many games as I can from the series. Um, and I've also been playing... I don't normally play mobile games, but I've also been playing Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. It's... It's made by the com it's a collaboration between Square Enix and a company called Gummy, if I recall correctly. Um, Gummy is the same company that made Brave Frontier, if people know about that. Um, it's like it's basically like it has like the same quality as like a normal Final Fantasy game. Like it kind of like it has like the CGI, it has like the the big summons, it has the magic. Um, and the vast amount of units you can use in the game, like, it ha they're called visions. Where you summon visions, um, which are basically characters from different parts of the franchise. Um, so for example, on my team right now, I have, um, I have Shantoto from Final Fantasy XI. I have, uh, I have the Warrior of Light from the original Final Fantasy. I have Firion from Final Fantasy II. Um, and I have my original, I have the original characters like Rain and Fina. Um, and I have, I have units, I have the World of Darkness, which I don't know which game World of Darkness comes with, comes from specifically, but I know it's like, I think it's a, I think it's a concurring thing, like correct me if I'm wrong. And I have a character named Shadow, which I might replace, which I might soon replace with, uh, the Warrior of Light. And I have, I haven't put this, put the character on my team, I also have Vivi, which is from Final Fantasy IX, which I still, I do want to play. Um, so yeah, like it's all these different characters you can put on your team and just fight different monsters. It's it's really cool. So that's basically my huge like Final Fantasy so been, situation. You've been going on like a Final Fantasy rampage during the summer. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a really it's a really good series. It's like it's very like it's all every I haven't hated besides like I don't hate thirteen. It's just something I haven't been getting into. But like other than that, I've fell in love with every other Final Fantasy game. It's a very magical franchise. Mm. I have the kind of opposite effect to kind of with you. Um, for me, my first Final Fantasy game was actually um, Final Fantasy 13, although I did play a lot of Final Fantasy 3 uh, from the Famicom version, which was actually a fucking amazing game. Uh, but Final Fantasy 13 really annoyed me because I didn't get to finish it. And um, I spoke to Kevin about this way back when I was doing the gardening as I was speaking to Kevin. And that that's one of the games I, I've never completed. I haven't gone past the second disc in that game. It's just frustrating because the way the You're game You're stuck works, at the second disc too? Yep. Same here. Second disc. Second <laughs> disc Second disc. <laughs> second disc. Um, but what I'm stuck it's like, on uh, is... It's actually really interesting about 13 is like... The Xbox 360 release had three discs. Yeah. Well, the but PS3 because PS3 is because it was on a Blu-ray. Yeah. That's why Blu-ray can hold yeah. more data. Oh, Whereas sure. Xbox, it was weird because I think it's the, the only case of its type because um, it's not like the traditional uh, multi-disc case where it's you know there's a flap thing where you just flap through the cases. It's the three discs were stacked on each other, which is pretty shit for the discs themselves. You know, I, don't, I can't imagine that that really helps them in terms of longevity. It would damage. It damages yeah. the discs. Um, but the thing is with that game was I got up to the bit where you have to fight that guy with have seven heads. Like he, he was an owl and he transforms into a human and then he transforms into like an Eidolon or something. The thing is with the game, it's not the fact that it's it's very grindy and it's very linear story. It's the fact that I forgot I was new to RPG, so I didn't know that multiple saves are your friends. Um, I just on one game save and I put myself into a corner. My characters were really under leveled and such. 
So it took me a long time to kind of beat that that guy, and then he casts something called Doom. And what what Doom is, it's like a death counter. It's 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 insta kill. Yeah. Yeah. So when that counter so goes to zero, you die until which, your character which is, is which is very yeah. dumb because I was almost almost I almost killed him, and then bam, Doom activated. I was like, fuck. So I I that really made me rage quit. Like. I've never rage quit from a game except for Final Fantasy 13, and it put me off RPGs altogether. I only played it because big my my friend Daniil and obviously the other other friends in my school they were like, "Oh man, you really need to play Final Fantasy 13." So I I picked it up and I was like, "Okay, cool," but the problem was it just raged me to such a point. And the game that made me have faith in RPGs again was Persona. I'll be real with you. So. But to be honest, Final Fantasy is—I don't know. Should I should I go back and play other Final Fantasies? Because I know they're going to remake Seven. Well, there are lots of complaints um, about Thirteen right? as well. So like, there is. Unfortunately, it's there's this huge debate. You know, there's one half community that's like, you know, Final Fantasy Thirteen wasn't that bad, and other ones, other people are like, you know what, Final Fantasy Thirteen was complete shit. It it deviated away from what the series truly was, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I kind of have to—I I don't know about that because it was my first game in the series. So I don't know whether or not it, you know change a lot from past titles but what i can say is that um when i first played it um and i wasn't uh one i wasn't the one that wanted to get it originally it was my sister who was really hyped up about it right because she, she heard a lot about the series and 13 in particular and her gate her friends wanted to her to get that game in particular uh, so after she was done with it i created my own save i started but i found that the gameplay was really really linear like really on the rails like literally for the first i think hour you're just moving along corridors and you just you just bump into enemies right so for honestly the paradigm shift mechanic really threw me off i don't know but like if you were under leveled it could and you didn't know exactly how to use your paradigm shifts it's like you were kind of screwed because there are lots of bosses that are just really annoying. There is a there's a lot of RPGs like that. For example, uh, one of the most recent RPGs that were, was released in like May. I think it's called uh, Azor Knights. It works in a similar sort of way. Not necessarily paradigm shifts, but you have these little demons that you summon, and you can like use different ones in conjunction with each other. And it kind of reminded me of that paradigm shift system from Final Fantasy Thirteen. It's confusing, but for some reason, it works in certain RPGs. One of them being Final Fantasy, especially because Final Fantasy was, it was kind of odd because, you know, you have your, you know, turn-based combat and whatnot, but at, at the same time, it didn't, I'm not sure if it was turn-based. It, w- it wasn't quite turn-based, no, it was like real time and you'd have to wait for your bar to charge up completely and after, whenever you're ready, you just cast all of your, your attacks. You have to hit some the your enemy a certain number of times before they become staggered and then that's when they're they're most vulnerable. See, I remember that. It's just it wasn't. I don't know. I I wasn't. I wasn't going to pick the, up the second game because I didn't finish the first one. Did you buy um, the, th- the second one? Because I, I found the second no, one was sort of better. I didn't. Because... Kevin, I'll be honest with you. I traded in the first. I just literally last week I went in and I traded Final Fantasy Thirteen because I thought this is a game that's defeated me. I'm not gonna go back and relive this game and wanna. Th- it's not. No. It's been um, a long time since. It's been a long time since I've played the game, so like to be completely honest with you, whenever if I ever get the chance and like I have nothing to do, I might just restart the game and kind of just try to be a little more open, like kind of like just remember to grind and like I, I still have it with me and I could grind through it again, but the thing is, 
I think the combat isn't the problem. It's not why I disliked 13, right? The combat, I think, was actually pretty cool because paradigm shifts allow you to change the way you fight, right? Allows you to, gives you more options, right? Uh, and the combat was really fun, in my opinion. But the thing is, it's just that in an RPG, what I value is, you know, the ability to explore, right? Because you're kind of, you know, thrown into the shoes of this random person and a fantastical world, right? And you want to explore this world, you want to know more about it. But in 13, it's kind of the opposite. They kind of constrain you to this one path. And it's like, if you try to go off that path, it's like, no, fuck you, get back to that path. You are going to play this game the way we want you to play it, right? So that the limiting of your this exploration, right? kind of killed it for me, right? Because you can only get so grindy and so repetitive before I just kind of give up. And that's why I think 13.2 did a better job of providing a more open world for you to explore, right? And even I didn't finish 13.2. And the reason for that is because um, it's design choice where I got to a certain point in the game where to advance further, you had to go back to previous maps and collect these items. And it was just like, no, no, it kills the pace. One thing that I have to say about um, Final Fantasy XIII is the fact that you mentioned this whole kind of system where you're going down corridors and such like that, but there are a lot of RPGs that are, this is effectively a dungeon crawler, as opposed to like a more so open world RPG. There's a, a lot of RPGs nowadays that are like that, you know, even Persona's has always been like that, but Persona has some sort of style and flair to it uh, compared to Final Fantasy XIII. Wow, you just got burned. Square Enix. Anyway, so there's those kind of games. You got Azor Knights as well. You got even more recently with the Sword Art Online games. They're effectively the same thing. So I, it's I understand that you were kind of disappointed with the fact that it wasn't open world. But I think the game wasn't necessarily designed to be an open world. Yes, that you know it has a Final Fantasy trademark sort of scenery and whatnot, and it's awesome, and you really want to explore it. But the game in itself to me felt like a dungeon crawler because of the maps and how they were positioned and you you just felt like you're going up to different levels and then you fight you fight this boss and you're like oh okay cool and then i go to the next level that's how it felt because it was that kind of game true but even then i find that there are other dungeon crawlers out there that do a better job of letting you explore right it's true that dungeon crawlers they it can be a bit repetitive you know it's going through floors of the same dungeon over and over and over but even then, like, you think about Pokemon, right? You can go to different cities, revisit them. There are a bunch of mini-games, like, things that you can do other than the main quest, right? Um, I find that Final Fantasy XIII is a bit more more so, more, more, you know, restrictive in terms of what you could do with the world. Because it was a beautiful world, right? Final Fantasy is known for its gorgeous visuals, and I think the design is top-notch in Final Fantasy XIII, much like in no, like, the rest of the series. Here's the thing, there's... Something that always carries on to every Final Fantasy game, in my opinion, the design and the music. And the graphics, too. It's just the aesthetics. And the graphics, the, the, yes. The aesthetics in Final Fantasy, like, you could fucking boot up Final Fantasy thirteen right now on, what, your, how long has the Xbox been out? What, your 10-year-old Xbox? And honestly, it would look just as good as something that could come out, like, three, four years ago. You know, it's insane how well these games age, right? Visually and aesthetically. I'll be honest with you, um, I can't wait to see what Square Enix has to offer for their PS4 games, especially with like 15 and indeed uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. That is hype, do you know what I mean? Especially now, obviously because they kind of tease something at E3 and whatnot, but in terms of what 
these new consoles can do and what I mean by new consoles is PS4, Xbox One and obviously PC but imagine what these can do like even as you said Kevin your 10 year old console can still make Final Fantasy look that good imagine what they can do with better specs and now with you know the new Xbox Scorpio and PS4K or PS4 Neo whatever they call it now imagine gaming like that in 4K that look very nice. Like fifteen and Tina March three are like on on track to being one of those gorgeous games we've ever seen. I really want to to play fifteen, but unfortunately, I do not have. I've never owned uh, a PlayStation console before, right? So I'm stuck on PC, and if I'm not mistaken, fifteen is going to be released on was it P- PS4 and uh, PS4 and Xbox One. Xbox One, yeah. Not there's no confirmation of a PC port at this time. However, from what I've been reading, they're not. It's not you know cross list. It's still possible that they will do it. I'll be it. honest with you. Like at the moment, the way this kind of generation of consoles is, if you can port, if you can create something for the PC, you can create something for the Xbox. Yeah, they they are. They're just exactly the, the architecture. Like in the last generation, uh, you know, is really difficult if not mistaken, to develop for consoles and PC because uh, the PS3 in particular had a very, very um, weird architecture that was really hard to develop for. Uh, Xbox 360 had its own architecture and PC was completely different, right? But now with this new generation consoles, they're basically, as you said, Bish, they're basically PCs that have been put in proprietary cases, right? So... Like hell, you can if not mistaken with the PS4 and Xbox One, you can remove, uh, you can replace the hard drive and put in your SSD if you want, right? Yes, you can, with the Xbox One, it's very with the Xbox One, it's hard because you you void warranty by doing that uh, because you actually have to open the console. With with the um, PS4, Sony's made it very easy. You just slide off the like the very top portion, and then you can just take it out and put a new one in. You just have to install the firmware. That's it. Um, although, yeah, even even then, there's, I've seen people mod the fans, mod this kind of stuff, because effectively it is just a PC. Yes, it's not running on different sort of specs as a PC would, because they're all the same sort of specs, but... Honestly, it's, it's interesting to see how consoles are going to evolve in the future, right? Because are they going to be more like PCs? I think that that's the way to go, right? I, M- I'll maybe... be honest with you, Kevin. I don't think they're going to evolve much from here. Because the way PCs work is that the PC has effectively been the same since the 90s. You know, people can still theoretically just upgrade, buy new parts, buy new whatever they need. I think consoles will work in the same way. Um, I don't think that we're going to get like a PS5 or or uh, an Xbox 720 or whatever. Something ridiculous like that. Well, I mean, like, I think they're going to kind of carry on. They're going to carry on, but they're they're just going to be like, hey, you can buy this module that gives you a better process. I think they're going to do it like that. For all we know, like this Xbox, what was the Scorpio, right? And PS4 Neo. This could just be iteration. Yeah. These could just be iterations, upgrades of existing consoles. This can continue on and on, right? Because, like you said, they don't need to release a new console anymore. It's just, it's a matter of replacing parts, right? Because these are PCs. Exactly. But the thing is with the PS with the PS Neo is that you're being charged more for an upgrade. It's not like with a PC, oh, I need a new graphic card. I just need to buy a new graphic card. No, you actually have to buy the whole unit, which is not something I want to see in the future of gaming. What I want to see is that... Hey, I want to I want to see a modular console. Like, okay, you need more memory. Bam! They kind of like that, with the that'd be a bit Xbox different, though. I think that's right. Like it, 
She's like, as a PS4 user, it feels really weird knowing that, like, there's a better version coming out and I, ha I have to spend so much money just to get it again. It's one of the advantages of PC, to be honest, because I think about it, the, they could do a module console in theory, but it's so hard because you think about it, Sony, they're not the ones who manufacture and own, you know, the, the GPU or the CPU for the, their consoles, right? So they can't really control that and distribute it on their own, you know? Well, to be honest, I'm probably going to be, like, I'm probably going to be getting a PC soon. Well, I am getting a PC soon for college and stuff, but, like, I'm probably going to start moving to, like, using my consoles as for, like, exclusives and stuff, and using my PC for, like, main gaming. Yeah, um, one thing that I wanted to mention about the whole console type thing is that, yes, Kevin, it is obviously different manufacturers. They don't manufacture the, the, the chipset and whatnot, but I think they could... I'm I'm not really hyped about the whole idea of buying a new PS4 because this one won't you know I don't even have a 4K TV that doesn't really matter but what what annoys me about that is how they're saying that developers will be developing games for for this 4K console it won't affect us because apparently they're going to ship two discs this is what I've heard I've heard that they're going to ship two discs one for the 4K and one but what I think this is I think there's all rumors I think they're still going to be the same one disc that can work with both I think I think that the that might be a rumor but what I'm saying is that I think that the whole PlayStation 4 Neo is specifically only for VR. I think if you don't have a PlayStation 4 VR you Neo you wouldn't be able to use the Project Morpheus. It's rumored for um it's rumored to the, the piece for rumors rumored to be used for 4K and VR. Mm, that's what I'm saying even with the naming Morpheus, character from The Matrix. Neo, also character from The Matrix. So I think that's what Sony are trying to do here. They're trying to make that specifically just the VR console, saying, "Hey, look." Well, I feel like the VR, I feel like the VR won't be exclusive to Neo, but like it would be harder. Like you need more stuff to run it on a regular PS4. Like kind of like maybe like another an adapter or something. I, don't know. I think, I honestly think that they're gonna do it as a an exclusive to the to the. Um, to the PS4 Neo, I think so. That's how I feel, honestly. Um, obviously, Microsoft are doing the same sort of thing. Well, I, they promoted it as something that would be used for PS4 as well. Like, if they just suddenly make it an exclusive. Yeah, but that's the thing. We, we never know. Because companies like this can say stuff very vaguely. Uh, for example, like the people behind No Man's Sky. Yeah, I was about to say that, but I wasn't sure whether I should even mention Arkham Sky on... Uh... During this episode, Arkham Sky. <laughs> yeah, no, it's if you think it's. What do you mean by Arkham Sky? It, it's bad enough on PS4 already because there are a bunch of crashes, right? And it's not, it's not uncommon to see crashes on PS4. All right. I heard like, even with a high-end PC, it's impossible to. Run no, on no, a PC. like you've gone the fucking Steam reviews. It's like it, no man's PC can run this, and you need to, to run No Man's Sky without you know any hitches, frame rate drops, or crashes. You need a fucking cons or need a PC built handcrafted by Jesus Christ himself and that's water cooled with holy water okay that's the only way you can get this even fucking then game. I doubt it would work yeah even then you know sorry to shit talk no man's sky it's just it's insane right I think it, that's the same sort of thing like companies can tell you stuff but they can say it in such a vague way that technically Joe the the PS4 Neo is a PS4 so they from for them saying yes it works with the PS4 they haven't specified which. So, and obviously they didn't announce the PS4 yes, Neo that's, before. Yes, but that's just bad marketing then. No, that's it's not bad. Up, it's not bad marketing. Holding it, bad it's, information. It's, 
it's not bad marketing because obviously other companies have done it before and they've gotten away with it. Microsoft, for example, um, you know, with their whole DRM thing and they haven't gone with that. But I think now Sony has built such a reputation, has built such a uh, fan base within this generation of consoles that they can get away with such a move because VR is not for everyone. VR is for a selected group of people. Not everyone's going to be interested in VR um, in the same sort of way that on PC, not everyone wants to play with the Oculus Rift or with the HTC Vive. It's an optional extra. So I understand that making it exclusive to the to the Neo or whatever they call this new console would make sense in my opinion. Kevin? I'm really glad that you brought uh, No Man's Sky up actually as a point because it's one of the problems with PC, unfortunately. It's that uh, PC is very hard to develop for, right? Because everyone has different configurations of GPUs, CPUs, you know, etc. Different programs installed. So a lot of the ports, a lot of the time, uh, they are buggy. And some, in some cases, quite often, unfortunately, they're just downright unfreaking playable on PC. But they are on console, right? And in my opinion, you know, despite this, I don't know about you guys, but I think that in terms of gaming, like a pure gaming experience, PC is the way to go, right? Because you don't, you can't get the same performance out of, you know, console. I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying this to be like, oh, you're PC master race, right? But it's just that, you know, with PC, you have this these options that you don't quite have on console, right? That's, you, that's completely true. And I think even PC gaming is a lot cheaper because of, you know, digital distribution, Steam sales and whatnot. It's also the fact that you can build a um, a PC with better specs than the PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One for probably half the price, maybe three quarters of the price, which is, to be honest, it's a great investment to make. Although the main thing that separates PCs to... Um, to consoles is exclusives. Steam sales, honestly, it's it's great, right? Uh, you kind of have to live it to get the hype, right? People don't get riled up about PC, um, Steam sales for nothing on the PC world, right? And it's thanks to things like Steam sale and Humble Bundle. Got to give a shout out to Humble Bundle as well because some of the deals there are insane, right? Um, it's thanks to crazy sales like Humble Bundle and Steam sale that I've been playing so many games during the summer, right? Like, a lot of the games I've been playing recently, actually, all of them, all the new games I've been getting recently are on Steam. Um, like, for me, the question would not be what games you've been playing recently, it'd be what games haven't you been playing recently, because thanks to sales this summer, I've been honestly going on a rampage, right? Like, during Steam sale, I nagged Ace Combat Assault Horizon, even though it's not quite good, don't get it. Um, I learned that the hard way. Uh, I've gone uh, the first Borderlands. I'm a huge Borderlands junkie, by the way. Um, what else? Bish got me friggin' Danganronpa 1 and 2, Dragon's Dogma, which is great. Uh, and from the Humble Bundle, I managed to snag uh, both Battleborn and, uh, what is it? Uh, Borderlands the pre-sequel, there you go. And honestly, recently, most of the time, I've been playing Battleborn. Uh, hey, you guys hear that? that? That's the sound of all the Overwatch people sneering at me for playing Battleborn. Uh, but... Look, I'll be real <laughs> with you, Kevin. Battleborn is not a bad game. I've played it. It's alright. It's the fact that Blizzard were very sneaky in their marketing. They were, like, like, as, soon as, as soon as Battleborn was released, they are like, you know what? Is the Overwatch beta. Right? Um, yeah, it was just horrible timing that really killed was. sales. When fucking Battleborn released, I think not soon after... 
Battleborn's release. Blizzard was like, lol, you know what? Let's the release the beta. That, I think that's a, and that that's a premeditative killed. move because how would 2K have known that Overwatch were going to release the beta? They were not going to know at that time. Yeah, I think if they knew, they wouldn't have released it at that time. Even then, to they, avoid they made such a bad choice at choosing a release date so close to Overwatch, though. Here's the thing: I'm a big fan of Gearbox's work, and like I think like Battleboard. I haven't played it myself, but I, I've seen it. And it does look some look like something I'd want to play. It's just that like I can't exactly buy it right now. It's like honestly, like it's the horrible timing that really killed the sales of it. And if they were released on a different date, I think it would have more exposure, and people wouldn't be like ironically shitting on it. To be completely honest with you, Joe, if you wanna if you wanna buy Battleborn, don't. Okay, I. Uh, that's coming from a person that bought it like I think it's been two weeks now and has 46 hours logged onto it. Don't. I only got it because it was 15 on, for the humble bundle sale. All right, it is it is not worth 70 bucks by any means. Okay, and honestly, I would not be surprised if they decide to go down uh, a free to play route in the future with things as they are right now. Because on PC, like matchmaking is fucking insane. There are times where I have to wait 10 minutes to get. Uh, a match and sometimes even then after the 10 minutes you have these new players who've gotten it through um humble bundle go up against level 100 pre-made teams and they just get smashed right it's valborn it's a great game okay it's just it's a combination of shit timing even shittier marketing because the marketing was done terribly for battleborn all right that really puts a nail in the coffin for for this game right as much as i love it it's it's the truth all right i'll be i'll be honest with you it was with with uh, battleborn i didn't quite know what it was i didn't know what type of genre it was i didn't know it was this kind of um i don't know how to explain it like you know that team fortress 2 style game etc i think they call it a uh, hero shooters or whatever but it didn't quite feel like that when i saw the adverts i was like oh okay i don't know what the hell this game is i wasn't really quite interested in it and then overwatch came and i was like this is this is a game it's a game you know what i mean um i know that sounds ridiculous i think there's a lot of people kind of going with overwatch because the way blizzard has they've done their marketing really well like with cross promotion dlc they're like oh yeah if you buy the game you get skins for starcraft and you get this and that and they know their fan base and they've worked and branched across so they've kind of gone world of warcraft and all this kind of stuff and integrating that into battlenet as well that's a really great move because they're making sure that people stay on their on their games on their servers on their systems you see what i mean and they're cutting out the middleman as well. Yeah, to be quite honest with you, Bish, uh, I don't know what you think about this, Joe, but I have to say that the marketing campaign for Overwatch, it's it's got to be the most effective and most, honestly, surprising marketing campaign. It's the best one. I'd say that's, I'd go as far as to say that it's the best one we've had in, in the industry in recent memory or just ever. Because honestly, you can't, I can... The animated shorts are helping out too. It's like the animated shorts are it's like promoting the lore is a very good idea. I also think it's the fact that the Blizzard actually speaks with their community a lot. Um, they give a lot of community feedback. As in terms of hinting, they do a lot of hints and a lot of puzzles within the game, like Morse codes and stuff like that. And it's something that they love to do. You know, we've seen a lot of Easter eggs, and that's 
it gets fans hyped. They want to know who the new character is. They want to know what the new stage is. That kind of stuff. Like when Ana Amari was released, people were looking through old footage from like when they first announced Overwatch to see like beta gameplay or what not probably pre-alpha gameplay just to find Ana Amari and they're like guys this is Ana Amari blah 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 and they kind of created their hype kind of like a they're leaving little drops of like chocolates around you know what I mean for us to pick up and find and be like wow we found this even though they've kind of pre-planned this and said we're going to give you guys the clues for you guys to kind of find and experience with us and I think that's a great thing because you're engaging within the um within the community like I said we we kind of gone into overwatch but I'll be real with you um that's what I've been playing recently I've been playing um playing a lot of overwatch playing some samurai warriors as well before this I've been playing a lot of of um kind of mobile games like pokemon go but I deleted that um other than that, what what I deleted, I deleted it. It's kind of like the other mobile games, like Mitomo. I deleted that like two days after I got it. I was like, "Damn this Nintendo! I thought you were gonna do better than this." Anyway, Joe, what what have you been playing recently? I'm guessing it's also Overwatch because you know me and you we've been we've been teaming well, up. I, I just talked. Well, I just talked about I was playing recently Final Fantasy games. Joe, when are we gonna play Overwatch again? <laughs> Oh, oh, that was so fun last time. It was. Um, and I don't know. Um, Bish has seen. Bish has seen me. I will I, go I have, far and wide. I've seen jo- Joe got multiple player of the games, which is GG. Nice. Uh, so I'm guessing that he, you you main Reinhardt, right? Um. Well, I I usually like playing as Diva, but I think I might re- main Reinhardt. To be yeah, honest, I think you really, should. Really I fun. think you should. Bish, who do you main? Me. You mean Junkrat, um, right? I've, I've been changing around my mains. Like, if you look at my top players, um, all of them are, like, tied at yeah. number one for three hours each. It's like Bastion. <laughs> I play a lot of Bastion. I play a lot of Soldier 76. I play a lot of um, Genji. And I play a lot of Junkrat. So it depends on which map I'm playing on. It depends on whether we're attacking or defending. Like, for example, on the map called Hollywood, I play Genji or I play Bastion. And in uh, Route 66, I always play Genji. It's, it's that kind of stuff. And same with Hanamura. I have to play Genji on Hanamura. So you're Hanamura. more situational. Yes, nice that's there, right? that's how I do mm-hmm. I don't stick with one character. I stick with kind of maybe four or five. Um, occasionally, I will dabble in the other characters. But, for example... I'm the same as Bish with um, playing situ- playing situational. Um, it's like I've gotten used to a lot of characters. Like for example, if we need a tank, I'll play as maybe Diva or Reinhardt. If we need if we need like a support, I I usually take out Lucio. Um, if I want to play as offensive hero, I usually take out like Soldier seventy six or Genji. If we need a sniper, maybe I'll take out um, maybe maybe Hanzo or Widowmaker. Guys, I'm sorry to bring this topic up, and I know that this question you know has a potential to destroy friendships. Okay, but um, who is best girl in Overwatch? Oh, I, I'll be. Re- I I've been saying I'll be re- real with you for like all of the episode. I don't know why I'm saying it. It's like a new phrase for me. But um, my real talk, man. Real talk. Real talk, <laughs> man. Real real talk, man. No, but my favorite. You talking about favorite character? Or you talking about best girl? Because there's a difference in that. Best girl. Best girl. Mm, this is so hard. Before <laughs> it was Diva. Before it was. Oh no! It, no. What happened? What happened? Before it was what? Diva, and then it became Tracer, and now. I'm I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place here because it's like 
Tracer and now there's Anna Amari and I'm like mm. I know Anna Amari is like really old but if you've seen her in her in her young costume I'm I'm like you know what she's kind of hot be real let's be real and also she's a badass I, I'd have to I'd have to agree but but I think um Diva is still my favorite girl See, no, that's no the thing. love like, for Widowmaker. Sad face. No, you, do you know what freaks me out about Widowmaker? She's blue. I, she's a Smurf. I don't like that. It's freaky. It's like weird. Even though Joe explained to me well, her, her like, story, but yeah, I explained the lore. Like because the story is that she was taken by um, the organization Talon, and she was basically brainwashed into to turn into like their own sniper. And I think it's if I'm correctly, it's because they modified her body so that um, her heart rates lowered. Or something, right? So that's why she can snipe so well. Uh, I find that design-wise, she, she's all right, but it's it's her voice, though, man. It's it's that accent. Is that know? is that French accent that you know and love, Kevin? You're like, oh my and god! And apparently, there's this one line that everyone mocks about Widowmaker because she says "sapi knespa." That means that stings, doesn't it? But everyone says, everyone thinks it sounds like "suck dick." So I don't nice. know. It's kind of yeah. like in Modern Warfare 2, you, you got Tango Sucker. Tango yeah, Tango Sucker. Tango Sucker. <laughs> uh, no, but um, honestly, I think I'll be real. Oh, shit. I've been saying that all episode. <laughs> I'll be real with you. No. Just... But it's, it's kind of like tick physics. Remember I'll be real with you, bitch 2016. Yeah, I'm going to run for president. And that's going to be my slogan. But seriously here. Um, Tracer, before Anna Amari came, Tracer was my best girl. Not because she's British. And not because of that ass, but it's because, <laughs> I don't know, there's something about Tracer. She's like, she's, she is, she's a mascot. Maybe it's because watch, she's British. <laughs> Maybe, well, no, I said it's because she's not British, but there's something about her. She's just, she's just cheery and happy. And, you know, even her voice is, it's like, hey, cheers, love. You know, it's like, oh man, I would love to have a cup of tea with you, Tracer, you know, and maybe some biscuits. She has so much energy. That's true. And I think it's for that reason that she is for all intents and purposes she is the mascot she is she's she's the poster she's on like every she's she's on the game literally the poster girl yeah no like i'm like torn between diva and and um tracer like they're kind of like even for me nerf this anyways (laughs) Uh, or to quote or to quote a jacob nerf this pussy because every time we play with jacob he's and he uses diva he's like nerf this pussy i'm like jacob why are you saying that it's hilarious though because it just comes out randomly and i'm like dude it's it's just funny and it just it, it puts me off my game because it's just hilarious. And you know, that's what happens when you play games with Jacob. It's just he he will say something you don't expect it and then you're like shit. Now we've now we've kind of we've done better than usual. But it's like I I felt put off by it. But it's in a way he's like he's cheering us on with those jokes. Um, Jacob, if you're listening, which you probably are because you know you love us. Um, pow, you're awesome. Um, what were we talking about again? That that was a shout. I, I've given... I am allowed to give shout outs because I created this podcast. Kevin cannot give shout outs because he's... What, I've he, lost count of how many shout outs you've given, man. Like, you know what? Shout out to everyone in the world. All all 8 billion people. By the here. way, um, Nature Valley and um, Nando's, we're, st- like, we're, we're still open to that oh, sponsorship. By the man. way, if, Nando if want... said no. Kevin Nando said no. No, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. No, it's I refuse true. to believe that. I no. spoke to Nando's no. and they were like, I'm sorry, we can't give you that. I'm like, why, Nando's? Nando's, if you can forgive us and give us a second shot, you know, we'll we'll be cool. You know, 
we love you guys and give us one of those black VIP Nando cards so we can get free Nandos every time we come in. You know, we, we will provide the shit out of you guys. And also Nature Valley, I never tried speaking to them. I want to try and speak to them and as a joke and see what would happen, but Nando's... Whoever that PR guy was on Nature Valley's Twitter account during the anime thing, like, you are a fucking legend, okay? He is. Because he is. He's a legend. But no one will ever know who he is, because, you know, they don't, they don't say their names. It's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunately. But... You know, we've been talking so much about this Overwatch hype and all, all the games that we've been playing recently, like Final Fantasy and stuff, but I want to know what you guys think about these upcoming games, right? Because I know that Final like Fantasy what? 15 okay. is huge, right? And there's fucking Persona there's, 5 that oh, you've been yeah. talking about, how much you love Persona 5. It's like, what games are you guys really hyped up for? Here's the thing, I, I need to talk about this right now. Um, well, first, there's Final Fantasy 15, naturally, because I've played both demos. I've, I've gotten the demo I got from Type-0. I loved it to death. I got Platinum demo. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen. And now I just want to pre-order the hell out of this game. I still haven't done it. I'm very disappointed. Did, and did you as watch, for Persona 5... Did you watch hmm? the 52 minutes of footage that was released? Just like yesterday? I didn't watch it. Here's the thing, I'm trying to be very... like I'm trying to avoid as much as I can because I want to be very surprised. Like, I've been watching a couple trailers, but that's about it. Um, for me, I think the games that I'm really looking forward to, of course, Persona 5, because I'm a big Persona fan, and my favorite Persona game is Persona 3. Sue me. Uh, don't sue me, but, you know. Yeah, Persona, Persona 5 is another game I've been very excited about. Um, it's Here's the thing, I have... Like, I already have it on pre-order. Like, it's coming on February. I'm like, you know what? I'm pre-ordering See, it this right is now. the thing. I don't yeah. know when it's coming out for the UK, because we always get, like, really it's odd delayed releases. Day. If it is, then Wait, I'm, is I'm a, okay with that. But if it isn't, then I'm not going to invest in that. Uh, because I, I might... For like the In Europe, they said for Europe, um, uh, it's going to be released the same day. Yeah. Okay, then then I'm fine. I and can just gonna release a special edition too. Yeah. Okay, that's that's really good news, Joe, and you've really made me happy. Um, also, I'm excited <laughs> for the new Danganronpa, Danganronpa version 3, or Danganronpa V3. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, I just yes. reminded Joe that that was a thing, and th the game. No, that no, I'm no. Really... It's because it's the thing. It's like I really don't want to interrupt you, but like because like there are other games that I'm really excited about, but like I didn't want to interrupt you. Dragon Ball V3 is like I'm I'm excited for it, but I know it's not going to come out for a while, like in in the US. Maybe maybe it'll come out next year. Maybe it'll come out the year after. Hmm. Well, I think another game that I'm I'm most excited for would be Criminal Girls 2. And let me explain myself here. Criminal Girls hasn't gotten the best sort of reputation because of its sexual content. And people kind of say that, oh, you know, you're torturing these girls for, like, sexual pleasure, that kind of stuff. You look past all of that. It's actually a really nice game. It has a really great story behind it. It's actually, originally, it was a PSP game. It got ported to PlayStation Vita. And um, NIS America are, of course, responsible for bringing it overseas. So thank you very much, NIS America, for bringing it overseas. And they're bringing the second game overseas. Because obviously the first game was popular in Japan and obviously in the West as well. Um, it is obviously going to get censored. But, you know, I'm used to it by now. But I'm just really excited because I want to know how what were the stories of these girls. How they got into hell. Because the way... Criminal Girls works is that these girls are in hell because of their crimes or their sins and your goal is to get them out of hell and it's an RPG you fight demons and stuff like that it's actually 
awesome. It's like a dungeon crawler and I'm really excited for that. Another game I'm excited for... Ooh. If there's a Dynasty Warriors 9, I'm going to be excited for that. And that's pretty much it. I haven't really been been keeping up with E3 and the new games that are coming out. Um, but I have to wait until TGS to kind of find out what new Japanese games are coming out and kind of get hyped for that, really. I'm just excited to see more information. Like, hopefully I won't see more information on um, Downloadable V3 because they're being very, like, silent about it. It's like they showed some more. They showed like a little footage, but that's about it. I and think I, they're, they're waiting until they showed so far. They're waiting until the anime finishes, or they're gonna wait until TGS. That's when they're gonna announce something. Pro- it's probably until TGS. Like I don't think the anime is kind of related, since they said like the anime is supposed to end the Hope's Peak storyline. Like that Europa V three is gonna be its own storyline. Yeah, like it because the, the reason that Europa three is the thing is also because uh, they want to conclude the. Because Danganronpa 1 to Danganronpa 3 is supposed to be, like, the Hope's Peak saga. Like, once they move to Danganronpa V3, they're going to have a new school, they're going to have new characters, and they're going to do some different things. Cool. Well, like, I, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, I would honestly... I, I would say Persona 5 and Final Fantasy 15, but obviously I only have a PC, a Wii, and Xbox 360 at this moment, so I... Until I buy a PS4, unfortunately, I will not be able to actually play those games. Um, but in terms of what I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm actually quite surprised at how many 3DS games uh, I want to play, right? Because honestly, I haven't really touched my 3DS for a while, ever since um, I, I beat... What was it? Damn it. Um, what is it called? Jeez, I'm having a huge brain fart right oh, now. Oh, Kevin... Sorry to interrupt you. I think you need to play um, Persona Q. Should I play it though? Because I mean, is it going to spoil anything? No, um, it's not. It's not. Games? It's not. I don't think it is. Joe. Joe would know because he's played it. Well, I mean, I'm st- I still haven't beaten it. Like the, the third dungeon still scares the crap out of me. <laughs> like in terms of like in terms of like scenery and and the difficulty. Like the I'm pretty sure the third dungeon is the hardest dungeon in the game. And I'm just trying to just trying to go through that right now. It's because it's really, it's really bull. Because um, it's like here's the, like once you if you're not leveled enough, like if you're not fast enough, then the enemies will cast like some kind of wind resistance down on you, and then the enemies will cast um AOE wind so that it hits the entire party and everyone gets killed. I have a question for you guys actually. Because I mean I. I do look forward to Persona Q, to playing it, until it released, obviously, but um, I will get it eventually, I guess, uh, after, you know, the games I look forward to, that I'll get into a bit, but... Right. Oh, but Persona, well, Persona Q is canon, so you should be you should be sure to play it. But in terms of gameplay, though, is it similar to, say, Persona 4 or no. Persona 3? I'll explain the gameplay it's, to you. It's, it's a split of Etrian Odyssey and yes, Persona. Yes, I was going to say that, yeah. Etrian Odyssey in the terms of, like, how the dungeons work. You see what I mean? Like it's kind of like a first-person type view, um, kind of like that that final dungeon in Persona 4 Golden. I, I think you know what I'm talking about, Joe. But um, it's like that kind of first-person view, and enemies will come random. So it's not like Persona 4 where you can you can avoid the enemies. The enemies will come at random as like a pop-up, and then you know you got to battle them. But in terms of is that how you navigate the, the gameplay? Uh, the and the third dungeon's case. Hmm. 
Is that how you navigate the dungeons, the dungeons it, in like first person? Or dun- yeah, dungeons are in first person, and you move on them similar to uh, it's similar to a pallet. It's kind of like you're moving across squares. Like it's not free roam. Um, and it's like the each dungeon will kind of have its own gimmick. For example, like there's uh, like it, in the second dungeon, there will be enemies that are kind of turning, like they kind of turn as you move. And like there are enemies that'll kind of mess up your movement so that you move in reverse when you go up. Like for example, you move up, you go down. And for the third dungeon, which is supposed to be like the horror dungeon, like enemies will randomly drop on you and they'll chase after you until you escape the room. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at it eventually. But what I'm looking forward to soon in terms of 3DS releases, um, Joe, you might be happy at one of them. Uh, two of them are firstly uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, obviously. Although I probably should. F- actually play uh was it Omega Sapphire and also the the two remakes because ironically enough you know I was my first Pokemon game uh my first true Pokemon game was Emerald all right so I really loved that generation uh to bits and I was really hoping for a remake for a long time and finally it does come out and then I just never got around to actually getting it so I should get that but I think I will get Sun and Moon first uh after that there's you, do you guys know Corpse Party yes Bish, you played Corpse Party right I, for 3DS no I, I played it for Vita Mm. Um, I I traded it in completely. I traded it in. It's. Do you finish it? Yeah, it's. I I don't really. It was like one of my first ever horror games, and I don't know what to think of it. I don't really like talking about it. Your PTSD, uh, but you know what I mean. It, it brings back some sort of memories, you know. But the game was good. I'm not going to deny that. But for me, because it, I'm not into scary games, it's it's brought back a lot of you know jump scares and stuff i hate jump scares you brought back a lot of stuff like that it makes me want to watch the anime though i really want to see what the anime's about the, co- the course party ova mm. it's not oh, a I've full seen seen... series yeah it's just four episodes mm. it it wasn't bad like it's it's very it's very gory very bloody which i really enjoy uh <laughs> it's good to know joe good to know, good to know. So you you're looking know, forward just, to Corpse Party. Corpse isn't it, Party, yeah. yeah. I've all, like the thing is I've already seen. Yeah, there, it's not super scary. Hmm. There are a few jump scares, admittedly, but it's not something like I, I would put on like you know amnesia level of, of scary. But the reason I want to play it is because the the lore seems really good, right? Because I watched um, a, a few let's plays from different YouTubers of I think it was Blood Drive, all right, and it seemed really nice, and the story and the characters. They seem really interesting to me, right? Even though I don't normally play horror games, right? Like, I, I have, like, fucking a few Resident Evil games, Zombie, on, on Steam that I still haven't finished because, honestly, I'm kind of queasy when it comes to, to jump scares and, you know, creepy environments. But I think that Corpse Party, it's, it's a top-down game, right? So it's not going to be on the same level. I might be able to handle it, hopefully, <laughs> when it comes out on 3DS. Um, and fuck... No, I'm pretty sure it comes out uh, is mid-September because it yeah soon soon, um, and the third one which I think Joe will approve of uh, is the new Ace Attorney game. Oh my God! I, Did you forget your hype? So, about? I'm so sorry. I completely forgot to mention that. I'm yeah, so, I was like, like so I don't strange know why it that Joe doesn't mention Ace Attorney at all because he fucking talks about it all the time, right? Yeah, it's like next to Dying World, but it's one of my favorite games ever. Like I pl- I think about it all the time in my sleep. Um, I September sixth is when the new game is coming out, Spirit of Justice, and as I've played like every single game. It looks and I'm really hyped for this. 
It looks really hype, honestly. You know, just great games. And the thing is, I love mobile gaming is because, you know, I don't have all that much time mm. uh, once school year starts. I, I completely so agree with you there. That's the same sort of thing why I love my PlayStation Vita. Obviously, now I'm I'm kind of don't necessarily have the time to bring my Vita around with me. Yes, because I don't my my commute is not that long anymore. And it's also the fact that the areas that I go to and I work kind of long nights and stuff. So I, I wouldn't want to bring like, you know, a console. Yeah, an expensive item that I can get robbed. You know, I don't want that, so I just keep it at home now. But even, but if I'm at home and I'm gaming, there's no point for the for the Vita. I'm like, I'm sorry, Vita, I I have to put you away until you're needed. <laughs> Take out the big guns. Yeah, PS4. It, yeah, it's the same sort of thing with with you and the 3DS. It's like you're playing yeah. on PC now, and you know, you're I'm, at I'm home, a trained so. gamer. You know, I think we, we've all been trained gamers at uh, some point. Oh, no, I, I have, know. especially with me spent living on the train. La, la, yeah. la, 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 la. Remember, Vish still lives in the London Tube. That's yeah. why he has such good Wi-Fi. That's because London Tube Wi-Fi is apparently really amazing. good from what I hear. <laughs> it is am- no, I'm not, I'm not even joking. It is really good. It's like 200 megabits. Yeah, man. Like it's, Meanwhile, I'm here thing. with like 25 the, the megabits. The new Ace Attorney game... Here's the new Ace Attorney game is bringing back a lot of, like, a lot of staple, fran- staple parts of the franchise. It's like they're bringing back, like, like a bunch of past characters. They're bringing back Larry and they're bring- and Emma Sky which we haven't seen since Apollo Justice. I'm um, actually... I don't say Apollo Justice. You, like, she's also... Chronologically, um, her last appearance was Apollo Justice, but in reality, like, as according to game release, her last appearance was Ace Attorney Investigations. Um, and, like, they're also bringing back some, like, some newer characters. They're bringing back Trucy from Apollo Justice. They're bringing back Trucy... They're bringing back Athena Kikes from the newest game, Dual Destinies. Um, well, the newest mainline game, not to include the Great Ace Attorney. Um, they're bringing, and they're going to have, like, a bunch of DLC cases to go bring back, like, the Moon Matrix. They're going to have the Magatama, like, Psyche Locks. Um, they're going to have Perception, like, in Apollo Justice. It's basically a huge love letter to the series, in my opinion, and with its all-new storyline as well. And they're bringing back Maya, Maya Faye. Which we haven't seen since the since the third game in the series. It's like so far there have been nine games released. We haven't had seen any trace of Maya since the third game. Other than 3DS, though, there are two extra games. I don't know if you guys are too familiar with these two two franchises uh, that I'm about to talk about, but Halo Wars two, all right? Because shout to Halo Wars, it's such a hype entry in the Halo franchise, honestly, even though it's kind of a, a niche uh, game with, you know, a very niche, but, you know, good cult following to it. I, I love it to bits, right? And I really hope that Creative Assembly delivers with Halo Wars 2. Unfortunately, it's been delayed, I think, to 2017, Q1. It's supposed to come out this year, Q, Q4, but, you know, whatever a few months isn't going to kill me. Um, just... Ensemble did a great job at transitioning and, you know, capturing the Halo universe in an RTS, right? And frankly, it was what really got me into the RTS community, quite frankly. And I really hope that they deliver with Halo Wars 2, especially in terms of story, right? Uh, the second game that I'm looking forward to is, um, what is it? Yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda. Do you Have you guys played any Mass Effect games yet? No, haven't. One, one of my friends, um, Steph... Oh, I haven't spoken to Steph in a long time. Steph, if you're listening, you're awesome. 
Um, I don't know. I, Steph was like, oh, bitch, you need to play Mass Effect. And to this day, I haven't really played Mass Effect. But, you know, she's always telling me to. So maybe, Steph, maybe I might play Mass Effect one day. And I'll get back to you on that. But to I be honest, I haven't Steph. played it. I agree with the stuff because, like, the thing is, I watched Let's Plays of Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 on YouTube, you know, when they came out. It looked interesting, but um, I just didn't think that was my thing, right? Then I tried it because I got it with the Humble Bundle like, when I first got my PC, and I didn't touch it for, like, a year and a half. And then I finally touched, uh, I finally played it uh, during this year's March break, right? And I've played the entire thing in one week, and honestly, the gunplay and the RPG elements were, they just blew me away, right? This is some of the most fun gunplay that I've seen in a while, and quite frankly, I'm usually an FPS guy, right? I don't really play many third-person uh, third shooters, because I don't really like them that much, but the gunplay in Mass Effect is something that I have to commend. It was really solid, right? And not only that, the lore is great, right? You can just kind of sink into the lore, because there's so much of it. So, definitely, if you, if you have time, I would really strongly recommend that you try Mass Effect, you know. Uh, if anything, you can start with Mass Effect 2, because that's kind of the, the staple of the franchise, honestly. But, you know, with that being said, guys, we, we've had a huge discussion about games. Honestly, I'm really happy with what we've been saying. Uh, oh, such a hype episode. so good. So, no, honestly, thing, I, like... If you if you know me, like talk, I love talking about video games and stuff with people. I just never stop. It's like there's so much to talk about and like like so much to discuss. To listeners, we could be we could this episode could be five hours long if you wanted to. And that's the thing easily because we've been <laughs> right? talking. We used to do this kind of stuff after Kunai talks. You know, after episodes of Kunai, we just sit down and talk about games, and we would be in the Skype call for like an extra two hours, which is un- unbelievable. So. That's what we kind of expect to to give to you guys, like real game discussions, as well as more curated stuff where we do research and kind of discuss based upon research. Um, in terms of what's going to happen as well, what else is going to happen? Yeah, sorry, in terms of what's going to happen, we will be doing, I did promise you guys, a Dynasty Warriors 9 episode. Um, and thank you for everyone who submitted their thoughts and their suggestions for Dynasty Warriors 9, I'll compile them and put that into an episode. I'm not sure if Joe and Kevin will be on it, because I'm not I'm not sure if they play Dynasty Warriors, but um... Yeah, I haven't played Dynasty Warriors. But yeah, I'm I'll, not quite as familiar as you are, Bish, yeah, with this franchise. The, the thing is, I'll, I will try my best to bring on people who um, have played Dynasty Warriors. And if people are asking, can you bring someone from Tecmo Koei? Unfortunately not, we can't bring anyone from Tecmo Koei on because they are quite busy at the moment because of Gamescom, which is, you know, it's unfortunate, but I'll try my best to make that episode as awesome as possible. And once again, I'd like to extend my thanks to you guys because without your suggestions, that episode wouldn't have been a thing. And even then, without your support, this relaunch wouldn't have even happened. So thank you very much. And obviously, thank you, Kevin and Joe, for for being on the episode as hosts. And you'll be seeing more of them. No, like there's every there's honestly there's honestly no things necessary. I love talking, being on and talking about this kind of stuff. I think I we think need this to is like probably my favorite things to do. Yeah, Joe and I, I think that we we're both thankful to Bish, you know, for creating the podcast, and you know, to you, the listeners, as well, because if the fans of this podcast hadn't stuck around, if you think about it, if if the fans weren't there to make Good Life Podcast a success, we would not have Kunai and we wouldn't even have a relaunch today, right? So we're all, everything that we've accomplished so far, it's thanks to 
the fans, right? We couldn't have done it without your support. And yeah, as you mentioned, Kunai, I, I'm suspecting that a lot of people have come over from Kunai to, to, to watch this kind of episode. Um, but if you are new to Get Live Podcast and you like anime, you can obviously go and check out Kunai. We do every month we talk about a different show that you guys suggest to us. And obviously we'll still be doing this podcast every month as well. So we'll be having content on both of the podcasts every month for your entertainment. And yeah, I think that's it. Say goodbye, guys. Yeah. Goodbye. So see you guys.